Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. This week's episode is a mentor moment where we pull a question from our community. Today, we're welcoming Lily Wittenbach, head of global wellness at JPMorgan Chase. We received a number of questions on personal wellness and wanted to invite Lily here to share her expertise on the topic. Lily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited and honored to be here. And you are one of my favorite people. So thank you for having me. Well, it is such a pleasure to work with you. And we've done that for so many years. So I'm really excited to bring you to our audience and have you answer these questions given your expertise in this. So as you are a professional in the employee wellness space, are you seeing a difference in the types of benefits that companies are providing since the pandemic? And if so, what are employees taking advantage of these days? So it's a great question. And the answer is definitely yes. Many companies now see a greater need to help support employees in their total well-being. And they're talking about workplace wellness in a new and important way. There's a recognition that taking care of yourself is no longer just about eating well or exercising, but for example, emotional well-being and mental health are important components of a successful human resources and people strategy. So we hear all the statistics and struggles with mental health coming out of the pandemic, and families need support and resources more now so than ever. One key takeaway is that we need to have the skills to remain resilient in the face of change and adversity, whether that be a global pandemic, a natural disaster, geopolitical struggles, or just managing life's ever-competing priorities and challenges. Additionally, I would say employers have had to adjust policies, protocols, and procedures as we emerge from the pandemic. This could be a focus on hybrid work schedules, expectations, or policies like sick and time off changes. So there's definitely a lot going on. Another area that is definitely in the spotlight right now is support for families. Traditional childcare offerings have needed to change and adjust to the new realities. For example, we now offer things like virtual tutoring versus just brick and mortar access to childcare centers for our parents. So there's definitely a lot of change and focus going on for employers. Now with employees coming back to the office, we're certainly seeing an increase in our programs, things like on-site and off-site supports for childcare and employees dialing into educational seminars and sessions. So utilization is definitely going up around these wellness programs. I see with a lot of the events and things that we put on, people are definitely making use of them virtually. And I don't know if that's something you see as well, anything on mental health or other informational sessions. You think people are still using those channels pretty often? There have definitely been some silver linings that came out of the pandemic and more of an acceptance of virtual learning, virtual education, right, for our children, virtual medical care for ourselves and others, virtual mental health and behavioral health care with telehealth. So there have really been some amazing technological opportunities that have gotten us to more of a digital first situation. And for employers and for human resources departments, we have more flexibility when we don't have to do everything in person, but we also love to have everyone collaborate. So we're trying to find the best balance between how do we encourage collaboration and have speakers in person and how do we make sure we get people together. But also it's really great to be able to watch a replay of an event that you really want to participate that your firm is sponsoring and be able to do that on your own time. So definitely some silver linings in terms of how we think about using technology for education educational purposes. So you spend a lot of time thinking about what employees need and providing that on behalf of the firm. How have you seen managers successfully prioritize the well-being of their team members and take advantage of the things that you're providing to them? One thing that the pandemic definitely did is that it helped 
bring together another important concept to life, which is the importance of leading by example and showing vulnerability. Managers and leaders are people just like us, and they are also struggling with all the complexities and balancing work and life and life's everyday challenges, as well as prioritizing their own well-being. One of the best ways leaders can help prioritize the well-being of their team members is to actually prioritize it for themselves, which can be a little bit counterintuitive, and open up about what is important to them, how they balance, where they fall short, where they may need some help. Another important aspect is talking to your teams and people, which sounds simple, but it can be hard. What might be important to you and me as parents of young children may not be a priority for everyone on our teams. Finding out what it is that your people are passionate about and how you can support them takes open communication and conversation. I love these points around managers doing that for themselves first and foremost. And I think we've seen so much research showing that managers are being asked to do more, are being asked to address well-being and wellness in ways they never have before. And it is uncomfortable. But if you can take advantage of the programs, the people around you at whatever firms you're at, and really just be a listener above all else, I think that can really go a long way. Absolutely. Having a dialogue and taking that time to have a conversation is just a really important first step, and it can really help break down some barriers between teams. One example of taking advantage of benefits yourself if you are a manager, and something that we're trying to promote here is for secondary caregivers to take advantage of parental leave, which is now as long as our primary parental leave for employees in the United States. And for us, that really means more fathers primarily as the secondary caregivers taking advantage of that. And we like to talk to dads or future dads about doing that for many reasons. You know, number one, I think it really signals to women that it's okay to take that full leave, that your job will be there and you'll be welcomed back. But then too, it also helps that cultural shift of fathers taking more of the caregiving responsibilities on. So how do you look at a benefit like that when you think about wellness? Well, it's definitely part of the whole package, right? And it's such an important time for those types of policies and also for leaders to be able to set the example and say it's okay to take that time, especially for men, to take more extended time for leave, particularly after the birth or adoption of a child. It's exciting in that sense. And again, emerging from the pandemic, one of the things we've been focused on as a firm, I know from my team's perspective and your team's perspective, is none of us want to look back in 10, 15 years and see an exodus of women from the workforce at any company. A lot of those discrepancies were really exacerbated during the pandemic around women supporting virtual students and their children and virtual childcare and just not being able to do all these different things and being pulled in different directions. So I also think with more people home, with moms and dads, with different partners, again, some silver linings on the pandemic. And that's what makes all of this just so interesting and almost a social science experiment is how do we take the good that came out of what was a really difficult, challenging, horrible time for a lot of people. Everyone experienced different levels of loss and is bringing that with them. How do we take the good? For some people, it was being able to have the opportunity to spend more time at home for dads or people who were commuting. How do we think about that and make that work with the reality of wanting to be together? So I think an example of having the extended leave times and thinking about leave policies and sick policies is a great example of how employers are just adapting to the current environment. Lily, tell me about any topic that really resonated with employees over the last few years, maybe something that surprised you that you sent something out and there was just a great response to. I was surprised to see that we did a campaign on the topic of joy and how that is actually linked to wellness and your well-being and the importance of finding joy in small things and how that can really change your mindset, improve your health, not only your mental health, but overall health. 
And I wasn't sure what the response was going to get. And we had hundreds of employees who responded and actually shared via a really short survey, the small things that they do in their routines to build joy into their routine. So some of these topics around gratitude and reflection and joy, which traditionally have not been in the language of how we talk about wellness, which may be thinking about fitness or nutrition, are really resonating as we transition from wellness to total well-being. And I was so thrilled to see employees' comments, and then we were able to weave them into a campaign where all of our almost 300,000 employees were able to read tips from their colleagues around little steps that they do to bring joy into their routine, whether it's write a gratitude at night, what I'm thankful for, or before you get up in the morning. And it was just really refreshing to see, and I was surprised at the positive response. So one last question here. If you feel overwhelmed with all the resources out there, and maybe you see a lot from your company and see a lot just in general, how do you think employees should make the most of the resources out there? How can they just get streamlined and focus on the right ones? First, I would say become an educated consumer of your company's offerings. Many companies like JPMorgan Chase have amazing support, resources, benefits, educational opportunities, networking, and time off policies, but it can be overwhelming to try and find these resources when you need them. So when you have some time, take advantage of searching your company internet, talk to others on your team if you're looking for support, ask your human resources colleagues. And take the time to read the emails that your company sends you, or you might miss information about a new program or a benefit or an existing one. I know for one, I see so many great events happening at our company and I can't always attend them, but I do try to save some time and listen to the replays or recordings and block some time off to do that. In terms of prioritizing well-being, here are some tips and strategies. One, we always talk about taking things in small, micro-digestible steps versus large, unachievable goals. While you might want to run a marathon, sleep nine hours a night, and lose 20 pounds, which many of us do, if you don't break these goals down, you're really not setting yourself up for success. Could you, however, start your day with a glass of water and add a few glasses in throughout the day? Probably. Can you make it a point to go to bed 30 minutes earlier or 15 minutes earlier, fit in 20 minutes of exercise a day? So the way to achieve bigger goals is really to make them attainable. Second, figure out what's important to you and prioritize it. Similar to how we were talking about the companies do so many great things, it's hard to take advantage of everything. I've always been someone who needs to exercise pretty much every day. I can take a day off or two, but then I start to get really uncomfortable and really antsy. And I've had to change my routines over the years to keep achieving this. No longer can I spend two plus hours working out or exercising. I need to really be more efficient and do it when I can fit it in, but I make it a priority and where possible try to schedule my day to make that happen. I would also say we've been talking a lot about setting limits on technology, being really conscious of multitasking. There's some really fascinating data that shows us that multitasking is actually damaging to our brains and impairs cognitive function. I'm a huge multitasker, and although we educate ourselves about the dangers of this, it's one area that I know I really struggle with. I'm always on a Zoom, doing an email, writing a note, doing a different thing. Some things that I've adapted in recent years are taking my phone out of my bedroom at night, which is something that we talk about, but I leave it in a charger in another room to avoid the impact of the blue light and distraction. And also I try to close out my email where possible if I'm on a Zoom and not be on a Zoom, but be looking at email and trying to do four different meetings at the same time. And that's really also where you need to ruthlessly prioritize. How are you going to spend your time, which is not an easy feat for any of us. Also, getting an accountability buddy can be really helpful. It could be a friend, it could be a colleague, your boss, your kids, a partner. Sharing your goal, whether you write it down or you put it on your phone or your iPad, talking about it really helps to keep you accountable versus just thinking about it and not meeting the goal every day in your head. And finally, 
really give your well-being goals the same importance you would treat a work assignment. Don't keep pushing it down the list and allowing work to become all-encompassing. It's just going to lead to burnout, which we saw during the pandemic. Many of us went through that. I experienced myself and a lot of employees did. It's an ongoing journey. It will change as your needs and situation change. And one final thing I would say is that we really need to be able to stay resilient and just handle whatever life will throw at us, as we know, can change in a second any day. We're not expecting it. Lily, thank you so much for these amazing tips. I hope our listeners can just see how thoughtful you are and and why you've been such a great partner to me, to Women on the Move, and to so many employees around our company. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com slash W-O-T-M. For JPMorgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.